You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstrike me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man Cody. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing absolutely fantastic tonight, Chase. We're recording this one late night on Monday into Tuesday morning, probably for me. And I am absolutely excited for this week to kick off. We've got rookies reporting to camps today for me. Within about eight hours, they're going to be showing up. I know the Jets are coming into their their building as y'all are listening to this. So I'm excited to see what Aaron Rodgers pulls up in. It's going to be absolutely sweet and probably piss a lot of people off for no reason, I bet. So going to love seeing the uh, love seeing the reaction on the Twitter sphere from that. And uh, also, if I see one more person talk about Madden ratings, I'm going to lose it because they're the most <laughs> useless piece of trash information and content farming that I think I've seen out there. Hey man, it's 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 a slow it's a slow news cycle, right? Uh, you know, there's nothing happening at all. I'm just kidding. No, there's been a lot happening actually in the news lately, which is great. But uh, yeah, man, Madden ratings are overrated. Uh, it's it's if anything, it's frustrating just to see like the the entire Twitter sphere blown up with nothing but Madden stuff. I saw you were even talking talking a little smack, saying you're gonna unsubs- unfollow anybody that uh, that actually does talk about Madden. I've already followed unfollowed three accounts today. Uh, <laughs> there it. there was one cool one. The only cool one was Justin Jefferson coming out, seeing that he had a 99, and being like, "I've been building myself as a 99 overall player, and to see me have a 99, like that's actually a cool one." However. Yep. Don't come at me and be like, his arm throwing power is only an 84. How could you do that? Yeah, no, I'm not here. He's for that. got a cannon. Uh, well, as you mentioned, we got rookies reporting here today as you're listening to this. Um, I guess you get tomorrow as you're recording this and then yesterday. And then today we actually have the Jets showing up in the building. They are the first team to report to training camp this week. Uh, most of the rest of them are going to be on the, I believe, the 21st, 22nd, 25th type dates. But they are going to have Aaron Rodgers in the building, like you said. Uh, excited to see him in that you know actual uniform, practicing with the team. Uh, people are going to be upset, but I mean, they're, they're on hard knocks. Got got to have him there. I'm going to absolutely love it. it. It should be a really fun time because, you know, like Aaron Rodgers and the media don't get along whatsoever. So he's just going to be sarcastic with him the entire time and just try to not give him anything to show. 
it'll be an interesting one. I, I'm I'm excited for Hard Knocks this year, though. Yeah, no, I, it's always a fun watch to get that locker room experience, uh, see really the behind the scenes of everything going on. So, yep, cannot wait. Ready for Hard Knocks here, and you know we got a fun uh, fun show for us today. You know we've had a lot of news happening, so we're going to talk about some of those things and, and uh, the implication for fantasy. Um, so let's kick things off here with probably the most important news, uh, the biggest news from the weekend here. We had DeAndre Hopkins signing a two-year, $26 million deal, $15 million a year with incentives potentially, uh, to go to the Tennessee Titans. What was your thoughts when you first heard this? Yeah, I mean, this is what followed the betting line shifting. I think it was to minus 300 on like Saturday. It looked like this was definitely going to be a thing, and there was some people in the know. It did end up happening. Interesting, you know, I think he did lose out on some money by kind of holding out and trying to play the long game a little bit here because Odell got $18 million, I think, if he hits all of his incentives. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has to hit all of his incentives as well to hit to hit to 18 million. I think he's only getting the up to like 15 base right now. And then the third, the 13 as well, who knows what these contract numbers are. They're all just completely <laughs> hidden and bogus, but I do think he lost out on a little bit of money, but what I don't think he lost out on here is actually much in terms of just his yearly dynasty production or just his you know, 2023 production. Obviously it's not a Kansas city landing spot. It's not a Buffalo bills landing spot. The two kind of like dream spots that are like, Oh, we'd be perfect here. However, he still gets to be what I believe is definitely the number one target by a pretty good amount in this Tennessee Titans offense. I don't think it hurts Burks too much. Chig definitely took a hit in my rankings, but I think he'll be pretty serviceable with an with a efficient Ryan Tannehill this year. I think he'll be all right in this Tennessee offense. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I I'm definitely not on the boat of this kills Traylon Burks like. I think that that's an overblown narrative or, you know, people are you know going with their biases when it comes to to their thoughts on Traylon Burks. Um, I've seen that kind of uh, stuff going out there. Traylon for a second. Um, I'm happy to be getting myself some Traylon Burks for a second round pick. So if that's actually what's going on, check that, uh, check your leagues. But uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be an opportunity to grow, see what, uh, what Traylon actually is made of. Uh, but also DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think he's dead. That is, that is, been a conversation piece is is he washed up is he is, is he done is he cooked and i don't know that he has cooked i think he may have lost the step but i think deandre hopkins losing a step isn't the same thing as like tyreek hill losing a few steps like i think that it's going to take uh he ha he has everything else in his repertoire to be a successful wide receiver in the nfl even if he does lose a step he wins a completely different way. Like DeAndre yeah. Hopkins has never been a true just like body separator and he's just not going to burn you on routes. Like while he can, he's just going to be bigger and stronger than you and make contested catches and run a five yard out better than you and turn around and hit timing routes. Like he's probably going to get 70 to 80, just five to 10 yard outs or ins throughout <laughs> the entirety of the year and just be kind of, you know, a target hog. Uh, where, where I had him statted out, I did update my projections for the Tennessee Titans over this weekend whenever I heard the news. He came out as 138 targets, 91 catches, 1,078 yards, and eight touchdowns on the year. Good enough for wide receiver 17 in my rankings. Okay, wide receiver 17. Not, not, I mean, for, for projections, it's not bad. Like we've talked about before when we were doing the, the projection uh, series that the separation between some of those can be minuscule, but he's in that wide receiver two range, you know, that you typically see in that 12 to, to 20, basically they're all going to be statted out pretty close to each other. Even when you're looking at fantasy finishes from last year. So 
I, that feels good to me. I'm perfectly fine taking DeAndre Hopkins in that range or, or getting that kind of production out of him this year. You know, what do you think his value is? I, I, I've been asked this. I, DeAndre Hopkins is my most owned person in Dynasty. I've been picking up <laughs> shares throughout the last two years while people have been kind of writing him off and saying he's just absolutely washed. I've never thought that was the case, and I think he can you know, do what he showed us at times last year after coming back from the suspension. But um, I, I would still be wanting that like mid to background projected first. Um, if you're still you know waiting on 23 picks, I don't know why you are, but maybe put him at like the 109 range with all of those other rookie wide receivers. I think he's probably there somewhere in that like mid 30s range of wide receivers in Dynasty. Okay. Yeah, I'm just pulling up. I'm looking at uh, Bulletproof's ADP, and they have the trade finder from the last few days. And just kind of giving some ideas real quick on some trades. And just give me your answer and your thoughts here. So we have, uh, you, you mentioned first, we actually have D-Hop for McKinnon and a 24 first. Done. Done deal. You're taking it no matter what, even on your win nows. Yeah, I think I think you just gotta liquidate for that. You're giving me you're giving me a piece. Obviously, like league league format and context is going to matter in all these, but just putting them all in a vacuum. If you can get a first and you're getting McKinnon piece on top of it, as long as it's not like a start eight, start nine format, you're probably just taking it. It is twelve team start nine. Does that change? Oof. Um, if I'm a contender, I might not sell off for that. Jerry McKinnon probably shouldn't be hitting your lineup in a start nine. That's fair. Okay. Uh, this one's also going to be 12 team start 10 Godwin or Hopkins. No, I think you got to lean into a little bit more of the youth with Godwin. Just hope that he can give you the production that you're, you know, it's not going to be replacement production. I don't think for this year, but looking even two years out, um, I've got to take a little bit more of the youth side with Godwin. All right. And then the last one I want to give you here, Deandre Hopkins in a third or Christian Kirk and a second and a 12 team start 10. I mean, I'd have Christian Kirk and uh, D Hop pretty close to each other, so you're going to give me the second over the third. Yep. Uh, I'll take I'll take that side. Yeah, I think that'd be a good one to even look at, looking at doing that third second swap, getting that upgrade, and getting probably what's probably going to be similar production out of Christian Kirk as well. So, yeah, no, that that's that's kind of where I have him. I, I'm with you. I like DeAndre Hopkins still uh, for this year. We'll see you know, really what that turns out to be on the field, uh, whether or not that offense can support multiple weapons. You know, the the conversations that have been brought up with Tennessee is the fact that in 2020, that offense was able to support, you know, A.J. Brown as a wide receiver one and, and you know, still having a another receiver, another productive receiver on that team. Um, I, what was it like wide receiver two numbers back in wide receiver two numbers, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I think that was like the wide receiver two to wide receiver three range of Corey Davis, whatever. Yeah, he was still there. Exactly. So, um, I mean, you know, what are you looking for? It's probably not going to be like winning your fantasy league by any point, by any means. You're not getting two top 24 wide receivers, in my opinion. But I mean, you could you could get, you know, a wide receiver, wide receiver three, probably out of Traylon Burks. You know, we, we said he's not he's not dead, but he is coming out as wide receiver 34 in my rankings right now. So, if, I mean, if he puts up another sophomore season like that, his dynasty value might be a little bit deflated going into anything past year three if he's just another wide receiver three he will probably take a dip just in terms of overall uh, dynasty consensus value yep no no doubt there i don't think this changes much for chiggy but the one thing i wanted to, to kind of bring up is derrick henry um you know they, they can't really just stack the box with with trail on and d hop out there which is kind of interesting uh, their offensive line is still a massive question mark which is part of the problem uh, so I just don't know. Do you think this is going to open up running lanes as well for Derrick Henry? Because it feels like he might actually be a good beneficiary on top of Ryan Tannehill. 
I mean, there's no way it can hurt him, right? Um, th- this was the thing, like why I think their offensive line was so bad last year. There was just no threat through the air outside of Traylon Burks, who was out for a pretty significant portion of the season. I mean, you were running Racy McNath and Nick Westbrook Akeen out there as your starting two wide receivers for a large portion of the season. So it obviously cannot hurt. I think they were the team who faced the most eight men in the box. I think them in Chicago uh, throughout the entirety of last year. So it definitely can't hurt it. Does it really change all that much? Like I'm, I'm not going to go in and, you know, drastically more than probably like a hundred yards or you know, 0.2 yards per carry, try to change my Derrick Henry projections. So it, it helps, but I'm not going to do anything drastic to you know move him too much from this. Yeah, no, I, I feel the, the exact same way. Um, and, I think that's kind of really wraps up that offense. I mean, it's, it's going to be an improvement for, for Henry, for sure, at least in the terms of, of unloading the box. But Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill I think, is the biggest beneficiary here. Uh, just getting another weapon. And if he can stay healthy, if the team doesn't go into the crapper uh, where he can actually start the entire season, I think it's going to really help his efficiency to have another receiver to look to and maybe even to, to for Traylon to learn from. Just looking at the football aspect of it, uh, just learning from DeAndre Hopkins can't really hurt his development. So hopefully he can kind of pick up on some things there and just make that offense better as a whole. Yeah, I've got Chig coming in, tight end 15. Tannehill, if he plays all 17, coming in at quarterback 20. Um, I do think it puts a little bit more, like like you said, it ups what Tannehill is probably able to do this year, which probably does, in theory and in turn, hurt Will Levis's chance to become a starter at any point this season. If Ryan Tannehill is still taking this game to like a 500 win percentage and they're even in the hunt for a playoff, I just don't really see Will Levis coming in this year. So it may delay his you know, stepping into this role probably to next year for me or unless it does completely fall apart and he turns into kind of like a Matt Ryan from last year talking about Ryan Tannehill then I think you could see Will Levis but right now I don't really project him to be much of a factor outside of injury in 2023 yep nope Uh, that sounds pretty good there Um, and then I forgot to ask you you said where was DeAndre Hopkins in your wide receiver overall rankings after the updated projections Uh, 17th overall for 2023 okay perfect so uh, let's get things moving on here. We had, uh, I guess, the the silent news or the news that got covered up was the fact that Evan Ingram did sign a three-year, $41 million deal this weekend as well, extending uh, his term with the Jaguars. And for me, this was an exciting one. I feel like him with Doug Peterson is just such a fascinating com- uh, you know, combination. And I feel like that him sticking around there is only going to be good for his fantasy value. Yeah, I I fully agree. This is something that's been in the works from this team that they've been talking about ever since they placed the franchise tag on him. They have been saying that they've been working, working with each other and working very well to lock him up long term there. He obviously had a very, very good year back in 2022. So I think this makes sense. It it definitely helps your T-Law shares. This looks like a really good offense. You also bring in Calvin Ridley. You know, you've got Zay Jones still there, Christian Kirk, and then ETN and Tank out of the backfield. It looks like a very good spot for Trevor Lawrence going forward and obviously for Evan Ingram as well to have a little bit more long-term security staying there in what we presume to be an offense that can take even another step forward next year. I think this is a really good spot for Ingram and his dynasty value for the next three years. Yeah. I mean, T-Law has had some, uh, a very nice addition of Calvin Ridley, depending on what he actually looks like on the field. I feel like it's going to be a, a massive benefit to have an extra pass catcher. Zay Jones is nothing to to scoff at. And then you're going to have, 
you know, Ingram here. So you're going to have them all with Christian Kirk and in an offense that I think threw for 600, almost 600 attempts last year, if I'm not mistaken. So they're getting up there in terms of volume where Evan Ingram having 93 targets, um, you know, I think Ridley should be close to a hundred as well. I'm not sure exactly where you projected him out at, but he should be pretty close to a hundred, if not over. And then Christian, uh, Christian Kirk as well. Zay Jones isn't going to go away. I, I still think he'll have probably 50 targets in that offense, but I think it'll be a lot more consolidated with that offense. And we'll see who actually is the major beneficiary. Yeah, this offense did throw for 596 attempts last year. Yeah. So where you can really go up from there, most teams don't really get over that 600 number. So I think they, pro- they, they probably go up a little bit. Uh, but if the offensive efficiency evolves a little bit as well, that could actually, even though you know, you're scoring more points, the passing attempts could come down. But you're probably going to spread it more around more touchdowns and then more fantasy points overall if that does happen. So um, I've got the I've got Christian Kirk statted out a little bit ahead. I do need to bring him down, Calvin Ridley, a little bit up in my projections. But Evan Ingram was coming out at wide receiver or tight end four, excuse me, tight end four in my overall projections whenever I first ran them. I, I need to make another pass at this team, but I, I, I it came out very, very well for this Jacksonville Jaguars offense after the first pass to projections. Yeah, I think 93 targets last year. I could see him sitting right around that same number, 100 targets, basically. Um, you have him statted out at 88, 70, and 5. So 80 catches, 870 yards, and 5 touchdowns, uh, which is, I think, in a very real realm of possibility for him, uh, especially with this offense. So, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about Evan Ingram. I, I think that he was one of my favorite offseason buys or even buys last year, just getting into this offense. Um, and my, my big fear was that they were going to let him walk. Like they're just going to do what they've done with like what we saw with Gesicki last year and Schultz last year. It's like, all right, we're going to tag you. And that's a wrap. Uh, so thankfully, Evan Ingram was able to get the deal done and uh, get that $41 million, 24 guaranteed uh, over the next three years and be locked up to that offense. I don't think it really changes anything else for really anyone in, in the in terms of fantasy. It's just maybe inc- improves his overall dynasty value or I would think it would uh, based on where he's sitting right now. I'm kind of surprised to see him at tight end 14 in keep trade cut right now. Like. Uh, the- we we looked at this one before the show, and I, every time I look at tight end rankings, I'm just absolutely astounded <laughs> with what, at least in the KTC market, we're being told is the correct way to value these guys. It's just absolutely, completely backwards, in my opinion. Um, you've got Evan Ingram and David Njoku at tight end 14 and 15. Meanwhile, you've got Dalton Kincaid, a rookie tight end up at tight end five. Um, I think wow. we went through it. I'd have Evan Ingram around my tight end seven currently as it stands right now, and you know, him, Waller, and Njoku, I think, are all incredibly depressed in value. Um, if you can pivot off of any of the rookies to get to those guys and pick up any sort of a plus, the market says you can do it. I'd definitely be exploring any of those type of deals. Yeah, and I know the narrative is tight end doesn't matter. Um, and for the most part, in terms of of figuring out, like, when to take them, when to draft them, how much to spend on them, uh, yeah, I I, I get where people's perspective is on that, but I do still think that they have value. You need them to win. You need them to put up points. If you can pick the right ones, or if you're in a best ball league, great. doesn't really matter, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be uh, Kelsey and Andrews at the top. You're going to have Pitts, Hawkinson. There's your top four. And then you're going to have Kittle Goddard. I think I'd put yeah, tight in seven. That's exactly it. I have an Ingram right there. Um, 
I just I just don't understand why why people just don't uh, give him any respect, really. For me, yeah, it's it's Ingram, then in then Injoku and Waller and Fryermuth all there in a little in a little cluster right there. I mean, you're saying tight ends don't matter, which I mean, in terms of like which one you're kind of placing in, if you're not in the top four, it probably doesn't matter all that much. But what does matter is whenever I can take a unproven rookie and turn him into what I know these type of tight ends are that at least will provide me a consistent mid-level week almost every single week out here and get pluses on top of them for something that is completely unproven and unknown. I don't see why I wouldn't be doing that with every one of these guys. Yep. I I feel the exact same way. And I feel like if you are in a best ball league, Evan Ingram is someone that can spike really high for you. Um, So those spike weeks are super important for you if you are going to be in some best ball leagues as well. So uh, speaking of best ball, did you know that underdog is partnered with destination Debbie for the upcoming season? So if you do use promo code TFDR at sign up, you will get up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit. And if you do deposit $10 or more, you will get one year access to the destination Debbie discord, hands down the best place to be in fantasy and for your underdog draft. So you're going to have constant roster conversation and construction conversations. You're going to have tools that are going to be dropping dropped in there every week so that you can get the most up-to-date information to be successful in your BBM four drafts or any other draft that you are doing on underdog. Absolutely love doing those underdog drafts. We need to get we need to get onto the uh, the fantasy draft room and do another one of those here shortly. <laughs> but we'll do another do another couple of those best ball mania ones. I know the weekly winners, I believe that's called, is a, is a pretty big hit right now. Where you're playing every single week with a chance to win a giant giant prize jackpot, and you have like two hundred fifty six thousand entries or something over Jeez. the course. I mean, just absolutely insane what they're doing over at Underdog. And every one of them seems to fill up almost instantaneously over the at least over a couple of weeks what they're doing over there is incredible and hopefully we can uh win some money over here on the destination debbie channel get some get some winners in let's let's take home that milli or two milli we've been talking about it all all off season uh, ever since we started seeing uh seeing the drafts with the big boards and someone from destination debbie or in that discord will be making bringing home uh, a sizable pot i want to say they're bringing home the bbm4 pot but you know what that's a tough one to win we're going to have some some cash outs, though, for sure, for sure, for sure. And actually, if you go back to what we were what I was watching with the wake up show on Monday, Ray and Jay Rich talking about the weekly risers on underdog. The biggest weekly riser from this week is because of the next piece of news that we have to get to, which is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, his felony assault charge was settled and he went down. He got it brought down to a misdemeanor and then he pled no contest to that. So uh, we, we have a resolution with this case now. It's kind of looked like this was probably going to happen. I never thought that he would be getting charged with like felony assaults. This is kind of how this was seemingly to go. If you've listened to Drew Davenport at Drew Davenport FF on Twitter, he does some fantastic fantasy football legal work as well and follows all these cases. He's been saying that this is probably going, he projected that he wasn't going to get suspended in 2022. And then now he's been saying it's probably going to get settled here. Looks like we're probably going to get two to six games. And I think that's probably where we're sitting. I don't think he gets off scot-free and doesn't get suspended for this year because he just pled no contest to it. The NFL is going to do their own investigation. They have their own process and they can punish with, regardless of what the outcome is in the legal proceedings, I think he sits at about a four to six game suspension. And now it seems like people are finally just catching up to that and saying, Hey, like Alvin Kamara, he's only going to be suspended for that. All right, let's go take him in some underdog drafts. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he was my biggest buy in any of my underdog drafts early on, especially uh, because everyone had that fear and just was like, oh, well, you know, if he's suspended for a season, I can't have him on my season long roster. And it's like, give me that. It, it, I had zero thoughts in my mind. The, to me, there was like a 0.1% chance that he was going to be suspended for the full season. I feel like it was more like 99% that he was going to get suspended for six games or less. And there's a 0.9% chance that it was anything more than that. But I, I don't know. The, the news cycle does cause people to panic. You know, you, you see some, something like that, that happened. People immediately have that overreaction and Alvin Kamara is one I'm happy to have for season long for dynasty, at least for the next couple of years as well. Um, I'm with you. I think it's going to be six games, maybe four um, after an appeal is really where I'm sitting at right now. If he, and maybe he even gets a four down to a two. We'll see how that all pans out. Uh, but yeah, I think my money is on over under four. Do you think he's still roughly worth about a first and just like your normal standard start or t- 12 team start 10 lineup leagues? You think you're probably like back end first is where we're looking at right now for 2024. Probably, probably, you know, if you're a win now team, like, do you want to give up your first for an Alvin Kamara? You don't though, right? Like, I, I don't think anybody's really giving up the first. I think you're more looking at seconds at this point. Yeah, so I feel like the the pivot for me, if you were to move off of Alvin Kamara, would be taking, you know, trying to get a player in a second. Try and get yourself, that, you know, that two seconds worth of value, but getting one in, a, in an actual player versus banking on what could be the 2024 class. Um, you might even be able to get, you know, Charbonnet, who is a late first, uh, trying to go after guys like that, just just on some some potential fear that Charbonnet may not be, uh, may not have an impactful role. So I feel like that's kind of the the angle I would look at with my Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you, especially, I mean, look, it's going to, like we say, we're, we're expecting him to get suspended, but if it is only those like first four games, there's enough of a season and he's going to be coming back with no wear on him. I don't think we have any real fear of like Jamal Williams or, Kendra Miller taking over the backfield from him in those four games. I think he's going to go right back into his normal role. It might be a little bit more of the traditional Alvin Kamara role than what we've seen over the last two years where they really haven't had that hammer guy. I think that's Jamal Williams role this year, Mm -hmm. but I think Alvin Kamara is just the pass catcher for this team. I think that role is pretty locked up for him whenever he does, does get back. Yeah. I mean, I think the addition of, of Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller in that offense is, is actually hugely beneficial to Alvin Kamara. I would love to see him, uh, you know, running more routes, getting out of the backfield more often and getting, you know, back up to that, uh, you know, 90 target range. Cause I think the past few years, his target share has been down quite a bit and he's actually been running the ball um, on the ground a lot more. So getting, getting a couple hammers back there to take over the, the previous Mark Ingram role when Ingram was, was Mark Ingram pre, uh, pre-Baltimore Mark Ingram. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of optimism for him. Uh, Carr has no problem checking down. So I feel like that'll be a, a good combination for them. And there's really just not, a, you know, not a lot of weapons, but there's really not a lot of weapons there. We don't know what MT is going to be as he's back. Uh, Chris Olave had a really good rookie season. Um, you know, can he grow and build upon that? But Kamara uh, is still a, I'd say he's, the best piece on that offense. Rasheed Shahid and Juwan Johnson would uh, like a word, yeah. sir. I mean, on, honestly, I don't think they're, I don't think they're actually a pretty devoid weapons team. Like they need some guys to step up. Like Shahid still yeah. has to show what he was showing last year and be a little bit more consistent as anything more than just like a 
17 yard per reception guy of just a downfield touchdown shot. And Mike, Michael Thomas has to come back and just not be completely washed off the injury. Right. But if yeah. those, if those two things happen, I mean, then you've also got Foster Moreau coming back. I mean, mm. kicking the hell out of cancer and coming back within six months. I'll always bet on, I'll always bet on a guy like that to have a little bit of a role as well. So I, I like this team. What, what I don't think, you know, this offense struggled a lot with the quarterback play of last year with Andy Dalton and, being under this Dennis Allen offense and you know Kamara only had four touchdowns all of last year <laughs> on the ground and through the air combined so I, I think we have a lot more efficient offense than what we had last year and I think that's good for all of these weapons yeah the last two years are the only two years that Alvin Kamara has had over 200 rushes in his career uh, he had 223 last year and then he had 240 the year before and both of those were where he missed a few games so uh, he was on a, on a pretty heavy pace for, for what he usually is. And as you mentioned, he had two rushes, rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns on the season. I don't think this team is going to be that bad where he's not getting some touchdowns this upcoming season. So anything else you want to touch on when it comes to New Orleans? No, I think, like I said, I just think this is going to be a much better offense. Like if I had to project out right now who's winning this division, I'd pick New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> When you look at that division, come on. Uh, <laughs> I, I've heard Panthers. Throw, Maybe Atlanta. I, every every team other than Tampa I've actually heard thrown out there. So no love given to the Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield led Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. So you know, maybe take that into a little bit of account for your Mike Evans and Chris Godwin shares with two players. I have a decent amount of and love the wide receiver talent of them a lot. But a little bit of scary news times down there in Tampa. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Speaking of scary news, you know, the running back situation that's going on right now is, is scary news. You know, we had... Uh, Pollard, Jacobs, and Saquon all get the franchise tag placed on them this offseason. Pollard did sign his franchise tender, but did not get a deal done. In fact, none of them got a deal done. Sounds like Jacobs and Saquon aren't expected to participate in the offseason training program. Uh, any of these guys, I mean, it sounds like Pollard's game, but what do you think is happening here? How's this, how's this going to shake out? It's it's unfortunate, man. You know, obviously these players are worth more than what they're currently getting on market. Um, there, there's a multitude of reasons, I think, why that exactly is. I don't know if we have enough time to really dive into the full contract and don't think we need, you know, every everybody on Twitter will start giving you a capitalism uh, 
lecture whenever you ask them on Twitter exactly why this is happening to the market. Uh, you know, this, the whole supply and demand. How, how can't you understand this conversation? Which, yeah, not really. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly the reason. I think there's a little bit more to it as far as how the NFL organizations are running and the contracts, how they're coming out for these players. But um, what what I do see for these guys is Pollard, like you said, he's the one guy to sign his tender. He signed it back in March. I don't really have concerns with Pollard. I think he is really you know up and ready to really step into this role that he's been behind with Zeke for the last four years and really step into his own and try to lead this offense with really nobody else in the backfield. Don't have concerns with Pollard, and he looks primed, locked, and ready to go for a pretty big year. Um, the other two, though, and Jacobs and Saquon, I don't see any reason why they do any offseason activities until they get to week one. Um, Jacobs, I have a little bit more hope for him actually showing up. He seems to actually like the Raiders organization and have a little bit more committed to them. But there's no reason to put yourself on the field and risk any sort of injury whenever you don't have to. And it, the qu- big question becomes when week one does roll around. Does Saquon, does Pollard, does does Jacobs, do they actually suit up and take snaps week one or do we actually see the holdout? We haven't seen it work for running backs in the past whenever they're holding out, but there seems to be kind of a coalition forming of a lot of these high valued running back assets that, hey, we need to do something because we just keep getting screwed over out here on these deals. Yeah, I mean, holding out hasn't really benefited anyone but what quarterbacks, Um, (laughs) you know, and I feel like these running backs do have a gripe here right like there's they they do so much for a team i i I understand why they get devalued but all three of these guys had incredible seasons last year all three of them deserve to get paid and the bottom line is they can't figure it out and the only way to make a change like this is going to have something substantial like you're gonna have to take a massive bet on not only yourself we're going to have to take a massive bet on the talent in the rest of the league that if you all hold out, is the backup running back on your team going to do enough to help the team still succeed? Because if you hold out and it doesn't work out, then you're just proving you're proving the point, which is scary. I don't think that'll happen, but you know that's the problem is you need to have not only you have to have that combination of things of actually holding out and sticking to your guns, but also making sure that that running game doesn't doesn't uh, go on without you. Because if the Zamir White does come in, if the Eric Gray does come in, if the Gary Brightwell does come in and take over and start producing, you know, almost equivalent value, like they're not going to have the same big play making ability probably, but are they serviceable enough and are you winning games? That's kind of what the NFL is telling you is that they, I mean, they think that they are able to do that. They think that they're able to just replace you with these $1 million, $2 million guys who they're not going to hold out. Like they're, they're guys who are typically, you know, yeah. fourth, fifth, sixth round picks and they've got something to prove. They need to make their stamp and make their, you know, make their money playing the game that they've put so much time and effort into. There's no reason that they're going to hold out for these guys who are typically, you know, first round picks. Austin Eckler is kind of like that little bit of a different story where he has more of a gripe because he hasn't really been paid over the first, you know, portion of his portion of his career but you look at these guys like Saquon who are coming out as first round picks and they're like hey I'm not like I understand that you're probably worth more than what you currently are but I still need to make my cash right now and 
they're going to go in there and they're going to try to do everything they can to help these teams win. And so it's a, it's a dangerous proposition, but I do think that there's starting, I mean, we saw it on Twitter as we were recording this on Monday, a lot of the, a lot of the running backs coming out, um, a lot of the past players coming out saying, there's no reason for you guys to show up. Just don't do it. Like something has to change. Jonathan Taylor putting his whole spiel out there as well, because he's going to be up next for this contract that he should be getting. And he's probably going to be the next one who gets the tag put on him instead. It's it's a very interesting time to watch the running back market, both in the NFL and in terms of fantasy as well, because we've seen the effects trickle down into into our world as well. I mean, it's something that we constantly talk about just in the fantasy community and especially in Destination Devi. It's like, what is the league telling you? Like, usually if the league is telling you something that's going to have an impact in the fantasy football realm at some point here soon. And it's going to, to there's that trickle down. The NFL is telling us that running back doesn't matter uh, is what it feels like. And it, while that's not true, they just feel that they can find something serviceable for half the cost. And if you're talking about saving $5 million, $6 million in some case, like if they can spend $6 million on a running back versus the $12 million, $14 million that Saquon's wanting, like they're going to go out there and explore that. I mean, I think Eckler had contract issues of his own this offseason, and he's getting, he's getting paid, what, $6 million this year? Yeah, like he's getting paid less than David Montgomery. And it's like, and he's one of the best running backs in the league. So there's definitely a problem here. But the solution for this problem, unfortunately, like the the, the teams aren't just going to be like, hey, you know what? You're right. You're worth more than this. Let's let's uh, let's stop franchise tagging you or let's just figure out a long term deal. Like this is still a business in the end. And it's just reflective in what we've seen from the wide receiver and the quarterback markets who continue to reset the market and rise every year. It's why you have Devontae Parker going and signing a three-year, $33 million deal, but Dalvin Cook can't play for $11 million, and he has to be cut because they can save $8 million on the cap. You know, it, Obviously, Dalvin Cook is a much better player than what Devontae Parker could ever hope to be. I mean, you've got players like Noah Brown, I think, signing like a two-year six million dollar deal and playing for multiple millions of dollars and you can't get a running back who's been a almost workhorse 200 plus carry back to even sniff that kind of money it seems like it's i don't i don't know what they do other than they have to start holding out or they have to do something through the union to restructure how these running back deals are being made um i I know my my thought on you know what they could do, obviously, I shouldn't be really giving my opinion sitting here from my office chair so, talking about fantasy football <laughs> and what they should do about their contracts. But I, I don't think they can have five-year running back contracts coming out as rookies. I, I think they aren't able to sign long. They aren't able to sign multiple contracts and then increase the value of their contracts in year three, in year four, because by year six they can do two franchise tags. That's year seven now. And in terms of the running back landscape, unfortunately, a lot of guys just don't make it that far and are still worth more than what they once were. You just can't ever reset the market whenever you're playing on a five-year rookie contract as a running back. Would it be? I mean, I know the the whole idea of the franchise tag is to to give some security to a franchise beyond that that initial contract, right? Like in that, along the that initial first rookie deal. Um, do you think removing the franchise tag is going to be a solution I don't, I don't think it's in the works i mean really all that it's there for is to try to extend the time frame that you're able to negotiate a long-term contract or at least that's what the nfl will say 
um, then, then it's on you just to sign what we're you know offering you. Otherwise, you can just go be a free agent and probably make less money than what you were originally going to make on the franchise tag anyway. You know, that, that's what all these players, that's what, you know, the Saquons and the Josh Jacobs, we've seen the numbers coming out. They're basically just offering them a two-year guaranteed deal of what the of what the um, franchise tag is right now. That's all they're offering because they're like, there's no, there's no financial reason for us to offer you more than that whenever the franchise tag isn't going to go up from here. Like, I'll, I'll, we'll give you that for two years if you want it. Otherwise, we, we don't have a contract to give you. Uh, I I don't know the solution, but it's going to it's going to be something that we really have to monitor because it will impact the longevity of what we think these running backs can be post year five if they ever even get that far. It, it, absolutely right. One of the big things that I keep seeing now in in like in league chatter is just people having the conversation that these guys one there's the holdout potential, right? So you have the holdout potential, but what about the potential of them missing weeks like having a hamstring injury you know we they 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 met their six to ten games i forget the exact number right now and now it's like ah hamstring just can't do it can't play is that a concern for Uh, you yeah i mean it's a concern for these guys that are on the franchise tag for me for sure i mean obviously the team is showing no commitment to you for over this year and they're showing no reason for you to really trust them to ever give you anything more than what they were offering this year I, I don't see a real reason why you're going to put yourself out there on the line. I mean, it's why they're not going to show up for camp until week one, more than likely, uh, because there, there's no reason for them to risk themselves. Once they've already made their money on the franchise tag, there's no real reason for them, no incentive for them other than just playing the next year and getting their contract the next year and getting labeled a quote unquote bad, you know, bad rep within the league. All of these running backs are going to have bad reps within the league right now because they're getting screwed. And I honestly, I think the league office is going to you know, have to kind of realize that, that none of them are going to be acting in the best interest of the team. Um, I, I am concerned about it when it comes to these franchise tag guys that they do kind of not really have much incentive to play, especially if they aren't making a playoff push, if they aren't a competitive team down the stretch. Um, it's it's different for me than guys who are just on bad teams. They're on a two to three year contract yet. Um, I don't really see any. I, I don't see situations where they just go in like the Cooper Cups of the world. I don't really have concerns there. But when you tell me that you're not giving any security by the team, you're not having any trust put in you by the team. Why should they give it back? It, it is a concern for me down the stretch. Yeah, no, I, and that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not sure I'm looking to make a trade to move them off my roster. Um, you know, people are going to be discounting those players for the same reasons. You know, I, I've seen people, sh- you know, trying to target Saquon right now, trying to target Josh Jacobs. Um, and I think that both of them are good enough. They've done enough last year to, to get a contract at some point. Um, I think they're going to have to do one year on the, co- on the franchise tag, and then they'll be able to figure out their contract situation in the off season. Maybe they'll get tagged in, but they'll have, they will figure out a contract in the off season. I just, I would be shocked if they, let this go on for, for but, two years, but they have the ability to. But what does the contract look like then? It probably only looks like yeah. a one to two year, six million dollar contract. It, it's probably going to be less than what the current franchise tag is. <laughs> I think the team the team is going to have all the control here. Like they're going to get, they'll be able to tag them for the guaranteed money, and that's pretty much the the most they can hope for. You know, stay healthy, get tagged again. Um, but I feel like you know Saquon will probably get the same deal that's on the table right now. I don't think anything's going up. 
right? Like the, the team isn't going to the next offseason. I don't care if Josh Jacobs smashes again, leads the league in rushing. I don't care if Saquon has 100 catches, you know, 2,000 combined yards or 2,500 combined yards. I don't care. Like they're going to offer him the same contract. Oh, you're a year older. You have a little more wear and tear on you. And if you don't want to accept the same contract that I offered you last year, then I'll tag you again. Because the running back market's not going to be reset unless Jonathan Taylor is able to reset it. Yeah. Truthfully. And he's going to need an absolutely smash year to do so. Um, It's unfortunate. So uh, I guess in terms of just fantasy dynasty outlook, like what are you trying to do anything with these guys? Are they ones you're trying to pivot off of now? Do you have like the week one concerns that they aren't playing? Are you trying to get out on contenders? Are you trying to liquidate? Where where are you at? Um, Me personally, I'll just give my take on it real quick is, I'm fine rostering them, uh, but I, I since I do have, I don't have the end of year worry yet. I'm not making a move on that yet. What I'm going to try to do, and it's going to be damn hard. So like, make sure you're able to do this if you are going to follow this path. Is look, if you have the late season concern, there's no reason to sell now. If you think they're going to play the first ten games, then take the first eight games, take the first six games, and take that production, and then sell. Because once we get into the season, people are going to forget. Like they are not going to take that into account once they're smashing, once they're putting up 22 points per week. That's not going to be a thought. And that's when you have to have the dynasty discipline to sell. If you can't do that, yeah, I mean, you, can get out, you can get out now and I wouldn't really blame you. But I think that's more of the way that I'm going to play it with these guys. I mean, you did just trade away Josh Jacobs for a first and a second. So, I mean, like, but again, it's not like you're doing it at a discount, right? Like that's probably what that's the value you'd be expecting is a first and second type value. I'm not expecting two first plus for anybody but Bijan no. right now or Brees Hall two first. Anybody below that, I'm not expecting two first in the running back market right now. So, yeah, you throw me a first and a second for Josh Jacobs or Saquon or Pollard, and I'll probably just liquidate for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'm I'm going to be panicked at all in this situation. Um, like you said, right now, that is what dynasty managers think about they see the news cycle they see what's happening see these guys get tagged uh and and have just you know a disgruntled relationship and they think okay i can buy for cheap so right now everyone's trying to buy low on saquon and jacobs um pollard i don't think anything's changed for him but those two specifically everyone's trying to buy low so there's absolutely no reason to sell them until they step foot on the field um and get that figured out yes you do run the risk of them holding out I don't really know if that I I, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. I don't think it it just hasn't worked well for anyone in the past. So I don't know. I don't think that that's a possibility. Uh, I'd take the risk on it. I'd take the risk on it and just and buy them now. Like if I can just if I can throw the single first on a contender and buy any one of these guys, I think I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. I don't have I don't have too much hesitation to do that, but I will say like it, it is concerning to see how much the players are kind of like forming around this and saying like, hey, something does need to be done. And really, their only course of action is to hold out. So uh, I'm not saying it's without any risk and I, I would be concerned about it, but I'd still do it on contenders and throw that back in first. Yep, I, I'm with you right there. I think that's the, the patience is the key with this one. You just, you just wait it out. Um, they will be on the field and then. Like you said, you have to have the discipline to sell when that window opens. <laughs> so, um, all right. So to wrap up things here, we have more running backs. We just want to kind of look at the 
The last three here that have not signed also getting screwed over by this lovely running back market. We have Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Zeke Elliott. What do you think is going on with playoff? Lenny? He has a car accident here. It seems like he's doing okay. Um, he looks like he's a minivan. Like I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with Leonard Fournette right now. I mean, Leonard Fournette does this every year. Anybody yeah. who's actually concerned about, you know, the left tackle Lenny, uh, it's been a running joke, I think, for three years now. It's not as bad as the Eddie Lacy days. So um, I'm, I'm not all that concerned about Fournette unless his body's just, you know, unresponsive at this age. And we say this age and he's like 28. <laughs> so um, I, I don't think that he's in that precarious of a situation. Obviously, his efficiency has declined, but the offensive line of that team was atrocious last year. In, he's going to sign somewhere he's going to play whether that's you know halfway through training camp in you know one week before the season don't know exactly what it is but I think he's going to be on the field and playing that's why a couple weeks ago I was just buying both Zeke and Fournette for thirds I just threw out thirds for every one of them in every single league I've got a couple shares um do you have a spot that you kind of project right now playing a little bit of like fantasy fortune telling over here trying to project where you think what some of these guys could possibly land it's just so tough when you, when you look at this situation, like what's really out there for these guys. Um, I feel like Leonard Fournette would be a possibility. So one of the rumors is that that is Dalvin cook has a contract on the table to return home to Minnesota. They're just letting him check out the market and he can always return home. If that's, that's what he wants to do. Um, If he does not to return to Minnesota, I don't think, they're just going to roll into the season with what they have at running back in Minnesota. So I would, I would think that Minnesota would be looking at a Leonard Fournette, a Kareem Hunt potentially, but like Fournette might be the fit for that offense. Um, I think that's the one that I kind of look at as a possibility. And obviously Dallas still pops up as well. Yeah, I think both of those are two really good ones for for me personally, Leonard Fournette, the two that I've kind of targeted out, I think with the restructuring or the, the, uh, news that they do have Mixon back. I think they still could really use a third down back that they've been kind of mix, missing in Cincinnati. And if they really do try to want to push in for yeah. one year, I think they could really use a good third down back like like Lenny is in that offense. I don't know if they really trust in Chase Brown. Maybe they go through a little bit of you know training camp here with the rookie, see how he's doing, and then see like, oh yeah, he just can't pass protect and we're not going to let that try to protect our franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow. Let's bring the old left tackle in, put him in the backfield and, you know, have him kick out some kick, kick out some DNs and protect our quarterback. So uh, Cincinnati's the yeah. kind of one that's been on my radar for him to potentially go there. What that means for fantasy, probably nothing <laughs> all that great. Um, you know, he'll he'll get some dump off carries and he'll be smash AP Ryan. I don't think you're looking for anything more than that. Yeah. Bengals were, were one that popped up. And then uh, I still think Denver is going to look at I just. I just don't know what to think of Javante Williams right now. So I feel like Denver will bring in a vet running back. Um, I, I just don't think that they can roll into the year with Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, if Javante isn't 100% healthy, we'll see. We're about to find out here in the next few weeks with, with training camp and uh, get to see a lot more film, a lot more cameras going to be on these guys, see, see how healthy they are. Um, and what, what situations are going to open up. And un- unfortunately there will be injuries and maybe that's what some of these guys are waiting for to sign. So, yeah, um, I don't think there's any real reason for them to sign right now. I mean, yeah. why, why put yourself through a training camp right now? Exactly. If, you're, if you're any of these guys, especially Lenny, I mean, he, he you know, he does his own off season workout within two weeks and gets into playing shape after just 
eating a bunch of hamburgers or something, I guess, all off season and sitting on the couch. So, hey, I mean, more power to him for being able to get in shape that quickly. But um, one of the other ones you did mention that Dalvin Cook has the offer on the table to return to the Vikings, but we did see a shift in the betting market that he looks like he could potentially be the favorite to land in the New England Patriots backfield with Ramondre Stevenson. I know you've been a Ramondre could absolutely smash this year guy, but I kind of agree with this. I, I kind of like this for the Patriots. If they aren't going to do anything in the passing game and they missed out on the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes and he got sent to the Tennessee Titans instead, I think they need an offensive weapon somehow outside of you know just re-signing Devontae Parker to an extension. That's not really a big splash right there. So maybe it isn't bringing in Dalvin Cook instead of using you know Ramondre and Ty Montgomery and friends back there. Yeah. You bring in Dalvin Cook, who's actually a little bit of a Pierce receiving Strong, weapon as well. Evan Harris, that whole fun. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh it sounds like Dalvin has turned down the the Dolphins based on what we're hearing right now at this point. Um like I mentioned, Minnesota has the offer on the table supposedly, uh, but I just it doesn't, you know, we don't know anything about the contract details, anything like that, and that's just, you know, kind of rumors going around. I I still, like I said, I, I still think Denver is going to be a possibility uh, for for any one of these guys. If if the timing kind of proves out, I, I think Dalvin in New England would be would be so interesting. Like it'd be awful for fantasy. People would be so upset, uh, myself included, because I have been stomping the the Ramondre train this this offseason. Where I, I think he's going to have a monster season. He still may. But uh, having two running backs like that, I guess, you know, it might, it might not be awful for a Bill O'Brien offense. Maybe those two can, can figure out a nice one-two combo, and it'll be a lot of fun. But in the end, it's going to hurt someone's high-end ceiling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dalvin still has it. I think that's the bottom line. Is Dalvin still does have it. I, I really can't think of anywhere else. I, you know, Miami was the one that I think everyone would hoped for, but uh, I just don't know that Dalvin's willing to take that kind of money. I think that as well as the fact that they have like five serviceable backs on that team. Like what is the real projected workload for them? And what real reason does Miami have to bring him in unless they cut both Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin and they relegate Jeff Wilson to practice squad. It doesn't really make sense for me for that fit. And I think that's kind of what Dalvin's seeing as well Is like, what's my workload going to be? And I'm just going to be relegated to like a partial slight work time. Like, yeah, you know, rotational back. I don't think that's really what he wants to do. Um, I, I know the other one that has been floated out there for the last guy that we haven't really mentioned about what his one of his landing spots are. But I think if they could make the cap work, I don't know that they can. Um, but the Chargers have been consistently brought up as somebody who could bring yeah. in another running back to complement with Austin Eckler. I think it's because of this Kellen Moore system that we've seen them run over the last couple of years with the one-two punch of Zeke and Tony Pollard. They could use a little bit more of a bruiser. I think. I mean, I, I think we've really seen it. We expected them to draft another running back because we didn't see anything yep. out of Isaiah Spiller year one. Josh Kelly definitely isn't it, but he's probably their second best back on the team right now. And then Larry Roundtree shouldn't even be on an NFL roster. <laughs> but I, I, I do think that this team could really benefit from one of those guys because Austin Eckler, as good as he is, he is not a between the tackles ground and pound runner, and they need somebody to do that. I think Zeke would fit, but does Kellen Moore, after seeing what Zeke was for the last two years, actually want to bring him in for the price he's going to cost? And can they make it work on the salary cap? I'm not really sure. Yeah, Zeke is an interesting fit there. Um, you know, Dalvin would be too, um, as you mentioned. 
Uh, and I, just to kind of touch on the uh, last couple landing spots for Dalvin, Buffalo Bills have been brought up quite a bit, uh, him playing with his brother. Chicago Bears not really truly having a one. I don't know with them having Herbert, Dante Foreman, and Roshan. That's a realistic possibility. And then the other one was the, the Jets and the Cardinals. Uh, Jets seems like that one was uh, hyped up for a short minute and disappeared. But Cardinals, I just... Eh, at this point in his career, does he want to? Does he want to lose? So, <laughs> I just don't think that that's going to happen. There, there's one other one that I have heard floated around. Yeah. That honestly, I, that no, no major markets or anything. But one, one of the pods that I do really like is the GM shuffle with uh, Michael Lombardi over there. That I think he does pretty good work as an ex GM of kind of giving league insights. He's been saying that the Washington Commanders could actually use another running Jeez. back in that room. And I, I mean, with B Rob and Antonio Gibson in there. Neither of them are really anything special, so maybe maybe you could throw another one in there, but it just makes the waters real murky there for me. So uh, I kind of hope that that one doesn't happen. Did you just say that Antonio Gibson wasn't special? Oh my goodness! Hot uh, take as a, <laughs> just, as a running back, he is. Not. I know, I know. No, it's a, it's a it's one of those situations where honestly, I feel like everyone in that that office needs to be fired. But uh, just I just mean, clean hey, house. We can see over there. Over. The enemy. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic is the right word. But uh, yeah, that if they bring in a Leonard Fournette or a Delvin Cook, just just mayhem, just freaking mayhem. Yeah, none of just give me none of them and I'll I'll be happy. Uh, And then the last thing you did mention, Zeke, uh, it sounds like the Cowboys aren't looking to bring him back. Uh, That sounds like it's a very, very slim possibility that he actually does go back to Dallas. any other rumblings that you're hearing out there right now with Zeke other than there's the been Chargers? absolutely, absolutely nothing on the Zeke front, man. That That's the one that I just have no pulse on because it ha- I, I've always thought that he was just going to go back to Dallas. Like I, I, I've always kind of thought that he was just going to get to the market, not get more than like two and a half million dollars and just be like, well, if I'm not going to make any money, I might as well stay a cowboy and try to implant my legacy as just a four life or cowboy. But do they even want him back? Like he's going to be a he's a presence in the locker room. He's been a leader of that team. And can you really turn over the reins to Tony Pollard like you probably want to as he's just a much more efficient back at this point? Can you really just relegate Zeke to being kind of like a 33 you percent know, rotational guy compared to and then really just give the reins to Pollard as he's probably really loved in that locker room and in that franchise? I, I don't know if it's really compatible, but. I know we've heard stuff that's saying he's not going to go back. If I had to really, if I still had to bet on one, I'd actually still bet on him returning to Dallas just at really low money. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that'd be awful for, for him. And, but, but you know, again, locker room team, I, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, I get it. I'm with it. Um, the other, the other landing spot we haven't brought up, uh, which is still a possibility for any of these guys. I, I'm still watching Tampa. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I know that, that has been a name that was uh, brought up with Zeke uh, primarily. I don't know if Dalvin would have any interest in going down there. That offensive line looked so bad last year, but they were they had lots of injuries. Everyone being back should be healthy. Um, so when they when that line was healthy, they were top ten unit in, in the league. Um, you know, Fournette had had a monster season when when it was working. So. Maybe a run game, an effective run game with uh, you know a Cook and or Zeke and and 
hell, I'll say Zeke, geez. <laughs> it sounds gross away, everywhere it sounds you put so him, bad. man. Everywhere you put him, it sounds gross. But he's probably going it to have a role does. in right now, like 150 carries. It does. Uh, the last one, though, is the, guy, is the team we saw in Hard Knocks. I mean, they could actually be a team. They've been linked to every single running back. Jameer Gibbs, they were saying they were going to take him in the first round if he fell back to them. Uh, they've been linked to Dalvin Cook pretty heavily as well. So we could see one of them. We could see that team bring in a, a training camp body or at least not training camp body, but another guy, especially, you know, we, we've seen Brees Hall and he looks good, but we'll, we'll get to see some pretty inside access to this team through the Hard Knock series. And maybe that's where we see one of these guys land and get maybe a little bit more insight on what his role could be throughout the year through that. Last team, because you mentioned them earlier, Cincinnati Bengals. You mentioned another Fournette type fit can block. I love that kind of there. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I could see Zeke going there too, uh, just as another body to fill in. But uh, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Anything else you want to you want to touch on? Go over news. I mean, what what are you looking forward to over the next few weeks? I mean, we probably missed something that broke yesterday, so apologies for that. And we just probably wasted like 10 minutes of this pod because, you know, it just always seems to happen that way that whenever you record two days earlier, something breaks the next day. But yep. no, ho- hopefully we didn't miss anything. I'm I'm extremely excited to see how this training camp plays out. I th- I've almost kind of gotten to the point where I've, I've been so into just fantasy theory and dynasty theory and everything as we've been doing this podcast that I've almost kind of lost a little bit of like, we do do this just for the love of football at the end of the yeah. day. Like while we love the fantasy football Man. side of things, I've almost kind of forgotten what it's like to be really in a football season again. I'm I'm so excited to just get just get hype about some training camp pieces to see these guys on the field, start seeing some preseason games. I think we're only like four weeks away from a preseason game in the Hall of Fame game up in Canton, which I apparently will be going to now. So if you see me at the Fantasy <laughs> Football Expo, shout me out here this next two weeks whenever I go up there. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see, for the next couple of weeks of fantasy, man. It's it's been a grind, but excited to get back to some football. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Uh, Ray, Ray's podcast couldn't have been more timely with with everything dropping. You know, Untitled dropping on Saturdays. You have to check it out if you haven't. I'm sure if you're listening to us, you've listened to to, to Ray on Saturday. So you know, just talking about the love of the game, love of football, and and you know, getting into content and things like that over the past year, uh, it's it's just been it's been so different to actually sit back and just like think about football and think about the fan side of it again. It's like, oh yeah, like. I, I love the game. I love football. I mean, I, I'm I, by no stretch anywhere near close to what Ray does. Uh, he is a savant when it comes to this stuff. So uh, incredibly, again, patreon.com forward slash all gas. You need to be part of the community. You need to be part of Heisman's here where you have access to all of the content creators. Um, you, you can chat with us on the daily. You can chat with anybody, everybody, voice chat, messages, whatever. And it just hands down the best community to be a part of. And uh, you got to meet one Ray GQ as we wrap out of here. You know, I just you got to meet him this past weekend. You had a really good weekend. You got you got a, you got a ticket to the expo. You got yourself. Uh, you got a house last week. And, you know, you got to meet the one and only Ray G. So Ray GQ in weekend. person, the man, the myth, the legend himself came in with a fantastic <laughs> entrance about an hour late for rounds into the SFB draft up in Dallas. I uh, was making man. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he had he had things to do, places to be, people to see. But no, I mean, it was it was absolutely awesome to see him and see Gene up there. Uh, Marcus as well. Got to chop it up with those guys for about like an hour after we after we were wrapping out the draft. It, it was a really cool experience, man. Um, obviously, I've been I've been rocking with Ray for about a year and a half now whenever I first started seeing his content. And it's kind of crazy going back to see, you know, just signing up for a Heisman tier member, you know, and year and a half ago to now where we're at on this channel cannot be more thankful to the opportunity that he's given us on this channel to talk to yep. you um to talk to you all about you know just the game we love again it, it's just that love of the game that we kind of it kind of washes over you a little bit so it's it's been a really cool weekend and a lot of cool things to come and um like, like you were saying even just in that heisman chat I, I as you were talking through it i forgot about like on sundays whenever things are happening we just start freaking out about that touchdown and you just see ch like 60 yeah. chats all come in yeah. it's just such a good time over here man like we're, we're just having fun and it, it is all for the love of football the love of fantasy football specifically dynasty fantasy football here, but we hope to bring that to you all and sharing our excitement with it for the rest of the year. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a true blessing. Absolutely could not uh, imagine being where we are today and having having this opportunity. And, and it's all thanks to Ray. It's all thanks to to Destination Devi and that discord. Uh, you know, that's where that's where we met. There's just there's been so many friendships, you know, Ray, again, Ray's podcast hit home on it. And it was just like, man, I've I've met so many incredible people. Um, not only just as friends, not that aren't in the fantasy industry that are just fantasy football players, just part of the discord. And then all obviously industry people just having, you know, conversations with Ray conversations with Scott and Gene and Brandon, Jay rich, Mike and Adam, you know, they, they, they were in there when we, when we first got in a lot before everything, you know, blew up with South Harmon and they're doing their thing now. And it's just incredible work, incredible to see these guys grow out of, out of, uh, out of destination Debbie too. And it's just, uh, a one-of-a-kind place, man. I, I've been a part of a lot of communities. I've seen a lot. I've talked to people that have been in, been in other fantasy football communities, and there's truly no place like Destination Debbie, especially the Heisman's here, man. Absolutely, man. Get into it. not to be not to be too sad here, but it, it's been it's been a really cool ride here, and I, I'm I'm really excited to get to the season, man. Yep. So again, thank you so much for tapping in, uh, and we appreciate you listening to us here on the Overreaction Podcast.